death can be, particularly for those suffering with grief. Light and life are greater as we face the future. Welcome to the Post-COVID-19 Podcast. Jim Watkins here, and I want to talk to you about something that has been coming up in the news more and more having to do with the coronavirus and ways to mitigate its spread. And uh, there's a lot we'll cover this time up, but this is important because it, it has some... We're already seeing some of the ramifications on how it's playing out in other countries, and I'll get to that in just a moment, but it's about contact tracing. You're familiar with the term contact tracing. And what it is, is it's a way to mitigate the spread of the transmission of COVID-19. The premise is that when you find one person who has it, then you go and you tell the other people who have come into contact with that one person that they have it. And that way you get people to self-isolate. Now, according to the CDC, uh, there's three concepts, trace, monitor, and then isolate. So once you find the person that has COVID, say someone comes in and they get tested for it and they have it, now you go backwards and you say, okay, well, who do you live with? Okay, well, they need to self-isolate. They need to test and they need to self-isolate, see if there's any symptoms. And then the people that those people, uh, which is all fine. I mean, in, in, a, in a setting that we are currently in with this pandemic, uh, there's no doubt there are certain people that you do want to keep away uh, from any possibility of contracting the virus. And we'll get to that in just a moment because there's a great new study out and I want to share it with you. But let's get back to a moment with the idea of uh, contact tracing. And I, there was an interview this morning with Stephanie Rule from MSNBC. And anyway, she was interviewing a woman, Carol Watson, from the CDC. And what the CDC wants to do is they want to hire a, a force of about 100,000 people and get them to go out and do contact tracing. So basically an army of people, complete strangers, whose job it is is to go and locate people who have... Uh, come into contact with people who have coronavirus, which, you know, on its on its surface sounds great. Uh, now, in England, they will come and find you, and then they will escort you out, and then you will be in self-isolation that is mandatory. You will be arrested, basically. And that's some of the concerns that we're hearing about this, uh, because everybody seems to be on board with con- contact tracing, except for the fact that it's really kind of unconstitutional. And I know people say, well, wait a minute, we're trying to prevent deaths. But a second study came out last week in Los Angeles. Now, two weeks ago, they con- conducted a random study in Los Angeles. And it was done by USC, University of Southern California. And it wanted to determine in the general population what was the estimated number of people who have either had coronavirus and no longer have it or people that currently have coronavirus and just aren't showing symptoms. And what they found was a remarkable number of people, up to almost half a million people in Los Angeles already have the, have the virus. Now, do you remember the expression community spread? Community spread early on was a way of determining whether or not you were a first-generation uh, virus spreader from Wuhan or if you were, by degrees of separation, if you're in the original group of spreaders, uh, then you would have been a, a kind of like a patient zero. If it's already in the community, then you're two or three generations in from contracting the virus from somebody else, and that is the definition of community spread. It's, it's now in the general population. So what this study showed, and also a very similar study 
up in Santa Clara that was just released two weeks before. And, and both of these studies, by the way, have appeared or will appear in the Journal of American uh, Medicine and JAMA. And so it shows a population of at least 440,000 people that either had or currently has coronavirus but show no symptoms. Now, that sounds like an incredibly high uh, uh, number of people. But when you think about this virus, it is spreading. It has to spread. Its only point in life is to spread. It will eventually come into contact with every person who breathes on this planet. The, the number that you're always wanting to look at, as we've said, is the fatality rate. What percentage of people get the, the virus and then exhibit symptoms? And this study shows that it's somewhere between 0.1 and 0.21% which means it's less than 1%, which means it's on the same level as uh, you know, any type of flu that you might get. Now, this again, I have to be careful because it's not for me to try to diminish the seriousness of the coronavirus. What it is is a, an attempt for me to provide clarity so that you're not in fear of, of what, what the news says. So, yes, there's more people who have it. But if there's 440,000 people walking around in Los Angeles, why aren't there more people dying? It's been well over three, four, five, six weeks now since this virus, maybe even longer, has entered the general population. So having said that, and, and, and corroborating with a second study, it seems to indicate that the fatality rate is low. Now, there's some other studies, too, that are coming out that we want to talk about. And then we're going to go back to the contact tracing element of this and how it plays on our society. If the fatality rate is low, consider the following statistics. 93% of those who die from COVID-related illness, meaning that out of all of the people who die of COVID-19, 93% of them have pre-existing or underlying health conditions that they would have died from anyway. The coronavirus seems to attack people with vulnerabilities which means that 7% of those who have died from COVID-19 died from nothing else but COVID-19. Now, there's a lot of people that have diabetes. There's a lot of people that have kidney problems. There's a lot of people that have COPD. Uh, a lot of people that have high blood pressure. So if you're sick or if you know you have an underlying health problem, yeah, you're, you're going to be very concerned, as you should be. Uh, and you are going to want to self-isolate just because you don't want to get it. However, having said all this, it's a personal choice that you make. And so when you start adding the elements of having a government agency or the extension of a government agency or an organization that works on behalf of a government agency, and they start wanting to implement programs, and everybody seems to be on board of this idea of having strangers contact strangers and how do they know that these people have coronavirus? And what, is, what happens if a person says, well, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not sick. i got to work. i got a family to feed. So Bill Gates is on board with this because obviously uh, there are applications, there are uh, technologies involved that, that benefit ultimately. And I'm not saying that's his primary motive, but he does. you have to recognize that obviously he's going to be on board with something, especially when you're saying it's for the public good. But I want you to hear a little bit of an interview and, and just pause to consider for a moment that if we implement a full-scale contact tracing program in the United States of America, 
what we've basically done is we've created an industry whose job it is is to contact and remove from society people who are deemed to be a threat. So let's listen to the brilliance of Stephanie Rule interview this Carol Watson from the CDC, and I'll jump in when necessary. You've said you'd need to hire roughly 100,000 people to be contact tracers across the country. How do you train them? Who can become one? How does this work? Yeah, across the country, we think that the order of magnitude is about 100,000. Um, so this, this could include both people who work in public health but aren't working on this pandemic, retired doctors, Peace Corps members have been brought up as one idea. Um, but I think it can also include people... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Peace Corps members? Why would Peace Corps members be ideal candidates for seeking out what qualifications do you get in the Peace Corps? Uh, maybe she was in the Peace Corps. Maybe she met a lot of uh, people. Now, my experience with people in the, who joined the Peace Corps is that they're, uh, they're uh, people that wanted to make a difference at some point in their life, and they, and they go out and they get involved in these sometimes NGOs, non-government organizations, sometimes government or organizations. Some of them get recruited by the CIA. Uh, they're uh, basically what they become are the watchdog group. They are the sentinels, mostly Peace Corps. Keep your eye on this. Report back to me. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Oh, and by the way, go build a, a well so that some poor people can have some water. Uh, and I'm not I'm not making a joke about the Peace Corps, but I'm just saying, well, why on earth would they be qualified to be part of the contact tracing corps? people who may not be experts in this because we can train people quickly to do contact tracing. Really? So there's a manual already that that shows you how to snitch on your neighbor. This is a resource intensive activity, but the training is not that complex. So perhaps we can put people to work who have lost their jobs due to this pandemic. Okay, so now they want to take unemployed people uh, who are already pissed off at the COVID-19 outbreak, and they're going to turn them into a sentinel of snitch snitchers the snitcher army that would be a big positive create jobs and get a, get the economy kicking again and have a bunch of uh, citizens now who are working as watchdogs for the cdc other countries have used smartphones to help trace does your program include technology oh we're just getting started let me tell you lady we've got some things cooking in the back office that we've been working on for years yeah, what, the way we think about technologies for contact tracing is really they're a workforce multiplier. So they can help contact tracers find uh, contacts faster and uh, more contacts than a person might recall that, that they were around during so that. So in other words, they'll take all the data from your phone and extrapolate who, who where, and wh what you've been doing uh, for the last 14 days. Now, bear in mind, they can get this information without asking you. And the other idea is something that they've implemented with great success in China is that they can actually restrict your movement simply by having you, by law, have an app installed that basically uh, you have to show the law enforcement authorities everywhere you go. And if it's red, you don't go anywhere. And if it's green, you're allowed to proceed. I think that's what they're talking about here, but they're doing it in a much nicer way. So it sounds like it's voluntary. Their disease. So, for example, if someone went to the grocery store, um, they came into con close contact with people within six feet. But did Sorry, you're sick. You got a fever. You can't buy those eggs. Know who those people were. Um, potentially technologies can help find those people, notify them, and ask them to quarantine at home. Yeah, ask them to quarantine them and turn off their ATM so they can't buy anything. 
I know you're working New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Is this scalable? Is the plan to work with other states across the country? So we're going to do it in New York first because we have to, uh, and then everywhere else because we want to. Yeah, um, so it's going to take some money from the federal government. We need we need funding from Congress to do this. Which means it will be a government-funded program, which means it is a government program. Gotcha. Um, and it may look different in different states, but I do think this is possible. We're seeing it already in Massachusetts. We're, we're seeing these new initiatives um, in the Northeast and also on the West Coast. So I'm, I'm optimistic that um, everyone can do this around the country. They just need support. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll help you. So there you go. That's what that's what's uh, being discussed among the uh, the media as far as contact tracing. Sounds like a great idea, but like all government programs, they never seem to go away. And now you've got this app that, by law, you have to have for the public safety. And basically, just like when you go to the airport, you are no longer in a free society, but you are in fact in a police state. And you are expected to behave accordingly. Now that they now they can extend this outward because the threat isn't on the airplane. The threat is in the air around you. Now I'm going to conclude this by throwing out some facts. These are facts. And it will help you put things into perspective. Because on post-COVID-19, as we've stated, this, this podcast is about the after effects of COVID-19. Not just the deaths and the fatalities but the, the way that life is changing for people as a direct impact of COVID-19. So think about this. The entire world is in lockdown at this moment because 13,000 people have died exclusively from COVID-19. And I'm going to get to that number in just a moment. Look at the facts. The number of people who die every day, this is according to the UN, the number of people who die every day on average is 156,164 people. The total number of people who have died from COVID-19 in the last 120 days is 185,164 people. So on any given day in the world, 156,000 people die. But in 120 days, 185,000 people have died from COVID-related 19 or COVID-19 related illness. Now in that same amount of time, 100 days or so, 13 million people have died for all reasons, for any kind of reason you can imagine, on average. So 93% of all deaths, this is a study just published today in JAMA, uh, are from COVID-19, are related to hypertension, which is high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity-related heart failure, arterial sclerosis, you know, blood, blood vessels popping, uh, a stroke, kidney failure, 93% of all COVID-related 19 deaths are related to hypertension. So the actual number of people who are just dying from COVID-19, which is a respiratory failure because of a buildup of mucus in the lungs, is 12,981. 12,981 people have died in 120 days from COVID-19 exclusively without any other underlying conditions. So the entire world right now is in lockdown because of just under 13,000 real deaths. The other deaths, according to the CDC, would have occurred within five years or less anyway. And I'm not saying that I want all these people to pass away suddenly, but what we're really looking at here, if these, the two latest uh, surveys were right from Santa Clara 
and I believe it was Stanford that conducted that survey. You'd have to look it up. And then also this latest survey from USC, which shows many more people have already contracted coronavirus and far fewer people have succumbed to it. Those are important studies which seem to indicate that this virus has a very low uh, rate of fatality. And that has to put things into perspective. Now, here's a couple of other facts that uh, I did some research on. Now, there are 210 countries now that report having coronavirus cases. This means that community spread has spread. It is all over the place. This thing is working its way into every country. But of those 210 countries, 175 have reported less than 10 deaths strictly from COVID-19. Now, many of these places, Vietnam, Cambodia, but Vatican City? So how is it that 25,000 people die in northern Italy, but not one death in Vatican City amongst all those pre, uh, you know, ministers and uh, pastors? 75% of all the cases uh, in the United States are coming from nine states. Four states make up more than half the deaths. So they want to institute a regulation to control and mitigate in New York and then rubber stamp it for every other city in the name of public safety. So this is the thing that you have to watch. You have to put things into context as we move in post-COVID-19 territory. It's going to do it for this uh, edition, our second now. We're glad that you are part of it, and I want you to spread the word uh, to others. This is important. As we explained yesterday, it's getting harder and harder to get information uh, without the spin, and it's because I'm an independent, not supported or beholden to anyone. I have 30 years of broadcast experience, and I am uh, a part of the media backdrop and have been for most of my uh, adult career. Uh, I've been writing for years extensively on a lot of social issues. I've been a media critic for years, and you can find a lot of my work on candidlyspeaking.net. We'll continue with this podcast, and again, join us uh, anytime, and, and, and please, I encourage you to share with others who may be interested in this information. Until next time. This is about science and epidemiology. We need to understand what has taken place so that we can reduce risk to Americans in the days and weeks and months ahead and get the global economy back on track. It's very important.